0: The greatest gift that I can give someone who's a life coach is to let them see me feeling joy in my work and in my marketing. Let them see me being authentic and being messy and being imperfect and having fun.
1: I am shate Jovan Taylor and you are having coffee with the neuroscientist. Welcome to Coffee with a Neuroscientist. I am your host, Shante Devon-Taylor, and I have with me Simone Soul, the Joyful Marketing Coach. Welcome, Simone. Thank you, Shante. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, yes. You've been on my radar. And I, d- I said, I got to have her on the show because you're just doing amazing things. But before I get into introducing you and we get into the crux of these questions, I got to ask,
0: are you a coffee or a tea person, Simone? I got to say, I'm a whatever's the bougie option person. <laughs> so if there's bougie coffee... I'm a coffee person. If there's bougie tea, I'm a tea person. And in my house, I like to alternate between bougie tea and bougie (laughs) coffee.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm both too, but I got to have my coffee in the morning, period. Coffee and contemplation. That's another podcast
0: probably coming. That's (laughs) good. I need my coffee, my my cup of coffee too. Only bougie coffee though, please. Only bougie, okay. (laughs) Only the good stuff.
1: (laughs) Nothing but the best for my brain and neurons. It's like my
0: ancestors did not suffer. So their descendant, I can drink crap coffee, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The ancestors would be turning
0: in their graves
1: if they could anything less. All right. So now we we got the important stuff out the way, Simone. (laughs) Let me just introduce you to the world or my tribe. You're already introduced to the world. Simone is creating a revolution in how life coaches market online. She teaches coaches how to fully get booked by putting love first, leaning in to their messiness. I love that. Their messy genius and not being afraid to get a little weird. I love Mm -hmm. that part. (laughs) In the last two years, Simone has made over $3 million and helped countless life coaches grow their business with joy. She also has her own podcast, the Joyful Marketing Podcast, and she's the author of a couple of books, right? What are the books you have authored out in the world, Simone? (laughs) Yeah.
0: My first book is called Don't Do Your Best. You flipped it on people. I flipped it on people. (laughs) You know, it's actually... lesson that i got from my my dad because he his motto that he tells everybody is don't do your best because i'm korean and i'm from korean culture and in our culture as well as i think in western culture it's always like do your best bring your best you always have to be your best and my dad always talks about how that really Fucks people up. You know, it feels chronically makes them feel like they're not enough. They're not doing enough unless they're getting an A plus in every area of life all the time. And so it's like a mental health thing that I heard my dad talk about a million times. Don't do your best. And the whole book is about how to live as a human being who can't be their best all the time and how to love yourself and exercise your creativity and your power in the world anyway. So that's my first book available on Kindle, not paperback yet. My second book is called The Fearless Marketing Bible for Life Coaches. And it it's the kind of book where if you, when you need a f- shot of clarity, inspiration, you want to kick in the butt, loving kick in the butt to go out there and powerfully market your coaching business. This is the book that you pick up and turn to any page and you'll get mm-hmm. that Loving slap in the face, kick in the butt, (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. a hug, you know, a mindset shift you need to key into your authenticity and speak from your power in Mm -hmm. a way that is truly of service to the other people in a way that makes them want to buy coaching from you. So that's the Fearless Marketing Bible for Life Coaches. That's all that is in paperback as well as Kindle available on Amazon.
1: Okay. Thank you for that. And I have to go back to what your father told you, I mean, that principle, he is so aware Yeah. as a parent, because it's exhausting to try mm-hmm. to be good at everything, to give a hundred percent at everything. That just sounds exhausting to the, your mental capacity, your physical body, your spirit. So I really just want to honor what your father shared with you. Like, look, a B is good enough, right? Operating at 70% good enough, right? Totally.
0: My dad happens to be a therapist and a coach and a hypnotherapist as well. And so he's in the mental health field and, you know, he will just have clients who come to him with like decades of like lifelong trauma that comes from feeling like, well, I wasn't able to do my best in school and then I wasn't able to do my best at my work. And then I'm I'm not doing my best in my family. And this like layers and layers and layers of just so much self-judgment and shame that they're flawed and they're wrong and they're doing life wrong. They're a burden on society because I should have been able to do my best at, you know? And so their entire narrative of their lives is one of inadequacy. And that is, you know, I lived in that place for a long time. So I know how incredibly painful that is. And I think it's such a liberating message to know, you know, sometimes you get an A and sometimes you're operating at 70%, like you said, and let's be honest, sometimes we're operating on like 6%, yes, you know, out of a hundred <laughs> and that's, sometimes you get an F and that's mm-hmm. life. You get to experience the entire range of things and a society that glorifies only being at 95% only getting an A, I think that is some really fucked up oppressive, like dynamics of oppression that we internalize and turn against ourselves through, right? Absolutely.
1: It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable mentally and physically. And you can't really show up at that level every day, right? So I say becoming an entrepreneur is the ultimate personal development journey there comes a point in time where you can't do all the things that you used to do because your focus changes Mm -hmm. your goals change your Mm -hmm. mission changes and something has to give so we grapple with that because like you said we got to do all the things and we got to do them well but it's like you said also it's very liberating to start letting them go and realize It'll be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I couldn't agree more. And especially, you know, I had a baby this year. And when you have a baby, it's like you totally have to break apart from your former standards of being good enough and doing your best because. You can't <laughs> when you get pregnant. You know, I was just talking to somebody, I was talking to an accessibility consultant about how pregnancy is a form of disability, right? Mm-hmm. Because it just, I mean, it's just one of the examples of the many things that humans go through in life where you literally do not have anywhere near the capacity that you used to have because your brain is like fucked by hormones and your body is so exhausted. And of course, that's just the pregnancy, you know, when you give birth. So <laughs> I had my first babies, so I was discovering all of this for the first time. And, you know, it's it's a lot. And, and you have to figure out a way to love yourself and to be friends with yourself and to like know where your value as a person is coming from, that is totally independent from how well your business is doing, how much money you're making, whether people think you're awesome and whatever, because none of that is relevant when you're like sick in bed because you're pregnant or your baby's been crying for five hours and you're going to kill yourself, right? (laughs) So, and that's a lot of the work that I've had to do this year, just like totally Mm -hmm. switching gears. Like, where do I find my enoughness? Where do I have, like, how do I negotiate my friendship with myself is it conditional on how quote-unquote good i'm being how productive i'm being whether i'm doing my best you know or is it unconditional and do i decide i'm gonna have my back i'm gonna love myself no matter what and that sounds easy but (laughs) it's really hard (laughs) yeah especially
1: when we've been conditioned to always be on right? To always be available, whether it's through our friends, our family, our kids. And we have to break that pattern, that habit, or that, you know, when people feel like it's a habit for you, right? Like that, it's the expectations. They expect you to be there. And so when people are on the entrepreneurial journey and they start to come into this realization that expectations need to change, not just for yourself, but other people mm-hmm. have to change their expectations, and we have to help them through that as well. Yeah, Cause we can't just cut off our family and friends, <laughs> a <lot of> times, <laughs> right. right? So we have to. Bring yeah, them I on our journey. totally agree. Yes. Yeah. So, how did your relationships change on this journey of building your multi-million-dollar
0: industry? So, like, as I come from a family of like you know coaches, and my dad's a coach, and you know, we're very well versed in like mental health and stuff like that. So this is like doing what I'm doing now isn't something that I've had to like get them on board with because they always supported it. Mm -hmm. However, the part that, here's the part that has felt tricky and still to an extent feels tricky. It's like, sometimes I feel so passionate about my work And I feel like work takes up so much space in my life. And I am a certain version of myself for my work. Like when I show up as the coach, when I show up as the writer, as the businesswoman, right? I feel like that is a very different part of my brain or a very different version of me than the daughter, the sister, the wife, the mom, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it feels difficult for me to switch back and forth between the two to not difficult it can be awkward and I find my I have found myself being kind of like mad at them for not fully it's I'm kind of having trouble finding the words because it's very subtle it's not that they like disapprove of this this other version of me but Mm -hmm. almost like resentful that I have to like switch between modes, right? Like, so for example, if I'm doing, if I'm working really hard on a thing and I'm I'm focused on it and and a a family member of mine will like need something from me or want something from me, I get into this awful, (laughs) like the first thought out of my brain is like, how dare you bother me with this when I have this important, like thought that I need to finish thinking. (laughs) You know, yes. and why can't you see that what I'm doing right now is so important? And then I, you know, I, I check myself and that happens. Yes. <laughs> but, but this is the thing. And I, I've had arguments with my family about it and sometimes feeling like my business is more important. So that is a thing that happens. And although they've been incredibly supportive, like everyone in my family has been incredibly supportive, sometimes navigating who I think they want me to be versus who I want to be, you know, that has been tough.
1: I think that is such an important revelation you shared because more than you know, when people are struggling with that. It's like, I want to be all in on this, right? I'm in my flow. I I got my mental energy. I got some inspiration and I don't want to be interrupted. Right. And especially for women. Yeah. You know, it's like, we have to think about all the things, household, exactly. You know, kids exactly and all of that. And more likely than not, I don't know if this is your situation, but a lot of times men don't have to break up their day.
0: Exactly. Right? They're not expected I, to.
1: They're not expected to. They can just yeah. focus on a couple of things, which the brain likes as to focus on a one major thing at a time. Okay? Yeah. But yeah. it's a struggle and resentment does come. So how do you manage your resentment? Are you managing through managing your
0: expectations or what do you do? I think <laughs> I got coached on this actually. And what I have to do is what I tell my clients to do, which is that I have to get over my fear of them, like not liking me or them being mad. In other words, I have to stop people pleasing them. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I say, oh yes, you can come in and chat with me or you can come in and talk to me about this when what I really mean is, no, I need this time to focus. Please don't knock on my door, right? So what I want to say is, please don't knock on my door. I need this time. But I end up saying, oh, it's okay, come in. That's Mm -hmm. me people-pleasing. That's me not being honest, right? And the reason that I'm not being honest is because I don't want them to be mad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? So I have to navigate my own people pleasing around that a lot. And, you know, this is like it gets pretty scary because I think a lot of these dynamics, especially with close family, you know, when you think they're going to be mad at you, when you think there's going to be, you know, a friction because of this kind of thing, it can hit you at a really vulnerable, like almost like primal like place in your brain where you're like, oh my gosh, my family's mad at me. I'm going to be like abandoned. I'm going to be cast out of the tribe and die. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and then especially as a woman too, in the way that we've been socialized, right. It's like, oh, if I ever tell my husband that I need to focus on my work instead of be a good wife to him, then he's going to, obviously I'm a terrible wife and he's going to stop loving me. He's going to leave me. And then right. <laughs> so that's where my brain goes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Automatically. Right. Yeah, automatically. Right, and so my brain like keeps trying to create this artificial divide between. And again, this is the way the result of the way we've been socialized. You can either be a good wife, good mother, good family member, or you can be a good CEO, right? You can be a good a good in your career, and that's a shitty binary because again, men don't have to decide; they can just right if they show up for like ten minutes a day, like oh, what a good dad, right? <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Still yeah. to this day. You know, it's like a lot of praises (laughs) when they do just a a, a fraction of the things that we think about or execute. So it sounds like boundaries have to be redrawn when we're
0: on this. By me with love. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. If I'm being like, don't come in my room, like that is already like you, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. a boundary drawn with love. And so boundaries drawn with love that I actually stick to and I Mm -hmm. actually allow for there to be consequences, right? Like meaning I do the hard emotional work of allowing them to have be upset at me or have thoughts and allow that to happen. And my business is to learn how to have my own back and stay loving towards myself and the other person when that happens, right? Uh I have found that that is tough work and I'm in the process of doing it right now.
1: I think this is a, an important conversation and I want to get to your joyful marketing perspective but a lot of people don't have these conversations yeah. when you know they are guiding people to become business people or entrepreneurs you know it's like yeah. they highlight oh you can do all these things in a business as an entrepreneur yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the journey there it's a lot of mind stuff it's a lot of relationship stuff it is a growth, this personal development, and there's going to be that surface that you didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And that can keep a lot of people from continuing or being Mm -hmm. consistent. And we know entrepreneurs, they're more susceptible to depression and anxiety and bipolar.
0: You know, it can feel so isolating because it's really hard for someone who's not an entrepreneur to understand what it's like to, I've had this argument with my husband, like I'm airing all my dirty laundry, but I've had this argument this with is my the husband thing. lately. Also with the neuroscientists no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Where... <laughs> I got like pissed. Like I got triggered and angry because he kept asking me the same question, which is, Oh, are you really busy right now? Like if I'm doing something, he'd be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Are you were busy? Are you really busy? Are you really busy? And he will just keep mm-hmm. asking me. I mean, not like several times in a row, but just throughout the days, throughout the months, this will be a question that he'll ask me, Oh, are you really busy? When he sees me doing something and it, I just had a moment of like, I like flew off the handle and I was like, stop asking if I'm busy. I'm not busy. I just have work to do. Busy to me is like running around like a headless chicken. And to me, right. there's always things that I have to be focused on. Right. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm doing work, it's not because I'm busy. It's because there's shit to do and I focus. Right. Focused and-, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. and so I didn't need to yell at him if I... <laughs> could just calmly explain how it felt to me earlier. So I don't have to like, deal with him asking me the same question 70 times, but yeah. that's the thing. Like for somebody who has a normal, normal job, right? It's easy to understand what another person with a normal job does. But as an right. entrepreneur, we, we wear like 25 different hats all the time, right? And this is why like work boundaries with yourself is so important. But there's never a point where you did all the things and you're done, Right. right. Oh, I'm, I'm all set. for No, it's like, there's always something. So always. You, you have to be very careful with yourself not to let all of the things bleed all over your personal life. But, but that's the fact of the matter. There's always something else that you can improve. There's always something that needs addressing. There's always, blah, blah, blah. so that's why it just pissed me off when he says, oh, are you busy? It's like, no, I'm not busy. <laughs> I have a business. Right?
1: Right, right, right. It's so hard to explain all the things and it's actually not for them to know. Because if you were working a nine to five, you wouldn't come home and tell them all the things you do at work. Right. I mean, maybe you'll tell them about your day, but I think like any other job, you don't need to explain everything that you do. And it's hard to
0: explain. That's everything so that funny you that did. you said that, because when you said that, I realized that I had this belief that I should be able to, and I should explain all the things to him because he's my life partner, not just him, but like my parents or whoever it's like, they should understand. And that thought would frustrate me because like, how can I understand? Like, they don't know anything about the kind of business I run. Right. Right. But there's that gap of frame of perspective. There's that gap of experience as there should be. Right. Like I didn't marry my husband because he does exact same work I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And It's okay. Like if I were married to a neurosurgeon, right. I would never expect him to like fill me in on all of the neurosurgery shit. I'd I'd be like, I don't know. I don't care.
1: (laughs) Right. 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 Exactly. There's some professions Mm -hmm. or careers that you can actually wrap your mind around, right. Right. You can get neurosurgery. You can get accounting, right. But entrepreneurship, yeah. Yeah. Right. But entrepreneurship is too broad, too wide. Especially, you know, all the things that we do.
0: One day you're dealing with taxes, another day you're doing marketing, another day you're managing like, you know, a client meltdown, you're another day yes. you're, you know, like you fucked up your schedule. So it's like, <laughs> entrepreneurs it, wear 27 hats all the time. And it's absolutely. And
1: we're trying yeah. to keep it straight in our own head, let alone tell sure. other people. <laughs> One thing that I do to help manage my emotions. And expectations outside of my work is I let my family know I'm in launch mode, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, and it's going to be all tiptoe work. around you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just, they, I train them, I condition them to, to know that it's more intense for me when I'm in launch mode for six to eight weeks, right? Mm. But then in between that time, I'm more in mellow mode, right? I'm mm. more available and they know, go ask your dad, <laughs> <laughs> right. wash well, your nap, you know, or there's going to be a lot of ordering of the food or right, right. eat yourself, you know? So I also have trained them. This might be TMI. I've also trained my family to know when I'm on my cycle because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: life is no, different. I don't think that's right. TMI. I think that's super important and useful for you to talk about. People don't talk about this. Like mm. when you are using your
1: brain, right? You're monetizing your mind. That's what you're doing. It takes a lot of mental energy and focus but Amen. when you're on your cycle there are chemicals neurochemicals that plummet that keep you from focusing keep right. you from the ability to manage your emotions so
0: you don't snap off
1: someone.
0: so they okay. need to know that you know totally and um, there's so many times when i just feel like i cannot be talked to right now <laughs> like i cannot handle a conversation. Yes. And if you yes. ask me, what are we having for dinner? I'm going to murder you.
1: <laughs> no people were murdered in the making of this podcast people. <laughs> no, I totally get you. And that's part of communication, right? It's just like, this is not the week. This is not the week for me to cook or think about cooking meals. Yeah. I need to, you know, if anything, pull back from my responsibilities and let my body do what it needs during this time. Because a lot of things are happening in our brains and our bodies during this time. We're We're losing blood, blood.
0: okay? (laughs) Literally. (laughs) (laughs) You try losing blood through your genitals, see what happens, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think it'll be a different world if all women or all people who menstruate gave themselves permission to take their cycles really seriously and if they had the skills to set boundaries and to ask for what they need right and to allow themselves to be supported because that is so not the norm in the state of the world today and that's why when you said this is tmi i was like no this should not be tmi every person who menstruates should talk about this so i'm grateful that you brought that up like i have this fantasy that in like maybe a couple of decades in a generation talking like the awareness around the cycles and hormones will be so normalized and people will have such high awareness about it that it'll be built into like work schedules. And it'll be like, you know, we won't be, first of all, woefully misunderstanding and miscategorizing and punishing right. Women for basically having Thank hormones. Which I mean that men don't. Right. Right. Absolutely. I I cannot wait for that world. Like I I think it's coming. It's my fantasy, but I think it's coming because there's I see more conversation about it today than ever before. Absolutely.
1: And this is gonna sound so weird, Simone. Lean in. (laughs) I'm leaning
0: in. What's happening?
1: I read some of your posts and just this moment where you're talking about that you're imagining a world where people have more awareness about female cycles and honor yeah. that. I'm like, you are truly my Korean
0: counterpart. <laughs> I love it. And while we're talking about cycles, we're also like matched with like red lipstick and red glasses. And so it's all about. Right? The blood. <laughs>
1: It's all about the blood. It's all about blood. This is, now I know the title of this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I really think this is an important conversation that we're having because you help life coaches only. I mean, other people may come to you, but you specifically work with life coaches. Why did you choose life coaches and how do you bring them joy in their marketing?
0: Oh, I love it. I chose life coaches because actually it didn't really feel like I chose life coaches. It felt like life coaches chose me. I got started as like a general life coach, right? I would help you with your habits. I help you become happier. I help you lose weight if you want. I help you whatever, like become more confident. So I coached on everything, but over time I realized that I had become really good at business and I had developed a very unique philosophy of business having run my own as a coach. And I, I wanted to help other people with it because I saw other people struggle with it so much. And the reason that I still only serve life coaches even when there are so many other people who do benefit from my work, and and I get asked all the time, oh, have you considered also creating programs for artists and da da da, da. like I would love to be able to do that. Actually, if I had you know three different heads, but <laughs> I just love coaches so much, and I just think the highest things about the industry and about every single coach I know, and I think coaches are going to save the world, and. It, I just fucking love coaches. That's it. Like, Why do I serve coaches? Because I love coaches so much. I love being a coach, everything about coaching. And so it brings me a lot of joy to only serve coaches. And the benefit of only serving one type of client is that you can go really deep into thinking about their specific brains and how they're specifically experiencing problems. And therefore you can create higher quality solutions in a way. right? So that's why I serve coaches and how I help to make their marketing joyful. I think I can give a bunch of different answers to that, but I think the first answer that I need to give is that I help them by modeling it, right? I think the greatest gift that I can give someone who's a life coach is to let them see me feeling joy in my work and in my marketing. Let them see me being authentic and being messy and being imperfect and having fun, right? this is one of the most common messages that I get from people, which is like, I didn't know you could have fun with your marketing until I found you. Like, you, you, you're having fun, what's happening? This is not supposed to be fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> or like, and if you observe my marketing in any way, and for any length of time, you'll see that I'm so not curated, right? I'm so not polished. I'm so imperfect. There's like typos everywhere. And just because to me, making things look really professional and polished and perfect and beautiful, that all has its place. But mm-hmm. to me, the most urgent thing, the most important thing, the meat of everything is my thoughts and my intentions and communicating those to you. Mm. So if I have a thought and an intention that I think will be useful to you in your life, I don't wait to make that shit pretty on Canva. I don't wait to make that shit typo-free, perfect grammar. I don't wait to make that somehow, I don't, whatever, right? I just share. Right. And if I'm having a moment of, I don't know, some kind of moment where I really want to share with people, mm-hmm. to me, that sharing is that connection, that presence, that sharing is so much more important than whether I'm wearing makeup, whether I'm just dressed up the right way, whether I'm presenting up, you know, showing up like a professional. Mm-hmm. And so I think to, I always value the showing up and the, the contents of my brain, the thoughts and the intentions, of my heart the communication with other human beings that is higher on the hierarchy than any other standard, any other thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where my heart is always. And I think when people encounter my marketing, they feel that. And it mm-hmm. gives them permission to do the same. It gives them permission to not have to edit their shit 5 million times. It gives them permission to just freely share their thoughts without filtering, without worrying about, oh, is this going to be right? And when they see me present as a full human being, like I curse a lot. I'll sometimes tell like TMI stories. Mm-hmm. Um, You can really get a sense of what it would be like to like have a drink with me or have coffee with me mm-hmm. just by encountering my marketing. Cause I'm not showing up as like, like an avatar of a coach, I'm showing up as a human because I'm interested in getting to know you as a human. And how can I ask you to connect with me from your heart? If I'm not willing to connect from my heart, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: that is so beautiful, poetic, if you will. (laughs) So what I hear you saying is it brings you joy to work with life coaches who you feel will save the world because everybody needs a life coach. Everybody Mm -hmm. on the planet would benefit Mm -hmm. from a life coach first and foremost. That's the group of people who have the most reservations about marketing because the field is still not as regulated. People kind of still question, what does a life coach even do? And so they don't put themselves out there. So to see you, you know, in your full authentic self, having fun, it sounds like marketing for you is highly inspirational in the moment, intuitive. Yep. And I resonate with that so much because when I have a thought, when I have something building in me, if yep. something downloads, I'm ready to go and share That's it right. with the world. And yep. the more we wait to put that out in the world, whether it's a post, an email, a live stream, a, a program, we'll talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> Our brain totally. will do the, yeah. do the dance. Right. Totally. Totally. So it sounds like that's a key part of your formula for joyful marketing is having
0: inspiration, being intuitive and going for it. Yeah. You got to go for it. And that's not to say that there's, you know, that you should never, you know, save content or you should never save ideas for later or have a strategy of like, okay, this is the order I want to present my ideas as opposed to like vomit them all at once, just because I had them all at once. Right. Right. There's definitely a time and place for that. But the reason that I think most people wait and most people strategize is not coming from an entirely self-trusting, empowered place. It's coming from like some kind of hesitation for whatever reason that what they've got now isn't good enough yet. Mm -hmm. Or this is a really big one, a fear that if they share everything they've got now, they're not going to have more later. Oh, Absolutely. Right. It's like, oh, I can't share all these ideas now. I have to hoard them in case I don't have ideas in the future. Right. And that's a kind of a scarcity thinking that I think we picked up from culture. Like there aren't enough ideas. There's only a finite supply of ideas. And, you know, when I work with my clients and I teach them what I teach them, they all find that that is totally just a lie that they accidentally believed and my <laughs> this is a gross metaphor that i use but it's like i say whenever you you have an idea you gotta like go to the toilet you gotta poop it out you gotta like <laughs> you gotta get it out of your system mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what happens when you keep saving your ideas is that you get constipated you get blocked up right yes. and yes. you gotta take a laxative and that shit ain't pretty yes. <laughs> and so no. you gotta keep it flowing and and for as long as you think that you have to save your best ideas, you will always be in like this energetically constricted, energetically constipated mode. Uh-huh. And if you have the opposite thought, which is I always always there's infinite ideas and I always get better ideas the more I share, like I'm just at the beginning of my journey, like that's a thought that I haven't about myself intentionally a lot. Like I just, I always tell myself, I'm just getting started. Like people think my shit's good now. They ain't seen nothing yet. Right. And I'm just getting revved up and I'm, I'm just at the beginning of of downloading my biggest contributions to the world. And so that keeps me in such an intellectually abundant mind space that I want to invite Whoever is listening to as well, because if you decide to enter into that energetic abundance, you will get that abundance. If you keep in that constricted mode of not enough, I have to save, I have to hoard, right? right? Then that's what you're gonna get.
1: I agree with you a million percent. I mean, just the makeup of our brains, right? Trillions of connections,
0: yeah. We're capable of literally infinite possibilities for how those, like your neurons, connect and and interact with the world. Yeah,
1: exactly. And the beautiful part part about putting ourselves out there, putting our our thoughts out there, is you get feedback. You can see how you are changing people's, you know, configuration of their own thoughts and feelings and emotions, and you get motivated to continue that or you know, they can give you another idea that you can put out there. You know, maybe in other they have words,
0: mm-hmm. when you share that idea, that idea is now allowed to be alive in the world. Yes. And almost I think of it like chemical reactions right now mm-hmm. that idea mm-hmm. is having chemical reactions with whoever's interacting with it. It's yes. affecting the world. Whereas when it lives in your brain, in your notes, right, it's not meeting the world. There's no chemical reaction. It's dead, right? It's not alive until you unleash it in the world.
1: And I feel like when we hold our genius in, and our thoughts in, and
0: those downloads in, that it makes us depressed. It turns. It's literally like constipated. When you are yes, literally constipated, is. you feel <laughs> you feel ill. Like it doesn't feel yes. good because yes. you're supposed to be
1: <laughs> that shit. Supposed it. to be
0: exiting your body.
1: <laughs> it is exactly. If you yeah. all
0: think of it as constipation,
1: <laughs> you're more likely to. Feel better about yourselves. But also, (laughs) especially with life coaches, we're affecting other people's lives. They need to hear the message, they need to have the strategy, the guidance, so that they can affect change in their personal world, their kids' world, their professional world. So it's our responsibility as coaches to put our thoughts out there so that other people can continue successfully on their own journey. So with that, I want to just thank you so much for sharing with my audience, all this goodness, just about personal growth as an entrepreneur and just sharing your joy with the world, specifically helping life coaches really get beyond all that is keeping them from really blossoming. I just want to ask you one more question. Sure. What's your mission for the world, for the Mm. universe?
0: My mission for the world is to help all of the humans feel safer in their humanity. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that we have all the problems that we have in the world, like, you know, conflict, violence, you know, we're polluting the earth, like all of these problems, I think, come because we are trying to escape our humanity. We're trying to numb from the pain of being human. Mm. We are trying to oppress other people because they remind us of parts of our humanity that we don't like. Mm. If I can make the other guy the bad guy, then I don't have to look where I think I'm bad.
1: Mm. Wow. If I
0: can dehumanize the other person and see them as less than human, then I don't have to look at parts of myself where I'm vulnerable and where I feel like less than an amazing human. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think basically all the problems that plague societies and plague the earth come from the difficulty that we have being with our own humanity and loving ourselves and our humanity. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little bit teary eyed as I say this and my mission It goes beyond just like the immediacies of what I do for my business. It goes beyond just life coaching Mm -hmm. is to help all humans feel at home, feel safe, feel loved in their humanity. And the work has to begin with me. So that's my, the work I do for myself all the time, like every day, it's like, how do I love my own humanity? It's really hard, (laughs) but it's worth it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Before we can change the world, we have to change
0: ourselves. That's right. We have to be the change we want to see. It's the only way.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I have you on, Simone, because just
0: watching you
1: over the last year and a half or so, just reading your words, it really just touched my heart. And I knew that there's something bigger you're doing, you know, even though your work includes, you know, you, your heart, your mission, your message is so much bigger. And I'm glad you got to share that. I With feel it, very it.
0: privileged and honored to hear you reflect that back to me. And thank you so much for allowing me to, you know, get on my little soapbox and, <laughs> <laughs> and spread my messages through this awesome podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much again. Now, how can people find more about you and keep learning and growing?
0: The best way really is to follow me on Instagram where I am Simone soul. And from there, you can find out more about my programs and you can really go down the rabbit hole, just like reading my shit on Instagram. So I invite you to join me in my rabbit hole.
1: Absolutely. And we'll have Simone's information in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Simone, again, for having coffee with the neuroscientists. You are appreciated.
0: I appreciate you. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Thank you. And remember, everyone, when you better your mind and better your brain, you can better your impact in the world. And we're here to help you do that. Take care, everyone. Did you like this episode? make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and share with a friend and if you consider yourself a modern thinker and if you want free mindset success tools and more tips and strategies on how to use neuroscience in your everyday life and how to stay motivated and inspired to live your best self come visit me at shantaytaylor.com enter your name and email address and sign up for my newsletter remember When you better your mind, you better your brain, you better your impact.